Yeah, amen. Yeah, praise the Lord. So great to be with you. Welcome to week two and the week after, huh? Here we go. Ready to make it happen. I want you to know you guys are amazing and I love you. But more than that, I want you to know this, that uh, I've been a pastor for a long time, you know. And uh, I have been. It's been a long time. I was thinking about that. And um, way back when I first started Wednesday night, we had prayer meeting. And as we did that, there were times where um, I had four people in the congregation in one of the services. And it happened more than once. So that was, I'm talking about four period. Nobody else was there. And, um, you know, that's uh, pretty hard, you know. I was walking home after church and praying and talking to the Lord about that. And I'm like, Lord, you know, doing this and it's just like my heart is heavy. And I was asking him to do something. And um, in that conversation with God through several, uh, probably months of all of that, I was just coming home and, and the Lord challenged me and he, he asked me how I would preach to a thousand. And of course, you know, I'm like, you know, that would just rock my world and I'd be all excited. And he said, I want you to preach like that to the four because it doesn't matter who's there. You're doing this for me. And God said, the results are mine. I'm just asking you to be obedient. And through that time, God grew me up. I mean that in a really good way. I matured quickly in that context because, you know, it's very easy to look at, you know, like who's not there. It's crazy how you can do that. I, I can pretty much after a few weeks that we do the service, I'll be able to take attendance right there in my brain. I'm just like snapshot. Y'all sit where you always sit, right? So I know if you're there or not there. I know if you're not because your seat's empty. It's like, mm, I wonder where they are. <laughs> so God helped me to just begin to look over that and not look at who's not there because he's here. And he's asked me to deliver a message. And it's not that I'm preaching to God. God's speaking a message to me. And he has allowed me to share the message with you. God has us here for a reason, and it's a purpose, man. I just want you to know. And he has, uh, he has not only spoken this message to me, he letting me live it, experience it, and deliver it, sit and think about it, and do it again. Not that I've preached this ever before, but I did it 9.15. And so as I come here today, I just think about all the things that God teaches us and how we do stuff, you know. Um, if you have the privilege of teaching kids, adults, preaching, whatever it might be, that you would lead someone in anything, um, don't get excited about what you're doing. Really. Do it with all your enthusiasm. But like... It's up to God, you know. You don't even know what's going on inside of people. He knows exactly what He's doing, and He's got every one of us in this moment right where we're supposed to be. Watching online, whatever day of the week it is, time it is. Those of you that are sitting here, God has us right where He wants us in this very moment. That's what's awesome. You might have been anywhere before this moment, but this moment belongs to God in your life, and we're here. So, as most of you probably know, we did the celebration of life service for Moses yesterday at one o'clock here at the church. It's been a hectic week as my brother and sister-in-law moved uh, my nephew, their son and wife and kids here to Tucson and they're into my home, our home, my wife and I's, which we invited them. They didn't just show up. Uh, <laughs> so they came in this week. Uh, a lot of things happening, you know, obviously with Easter and this and then 
service yesterday and had a ride to organize after that. Have this happening, got another memorial service tomorrow night and different things, right? So I'm like, I got to keep everything in line and I got to know what I'm doing and where we're at with all this. So knowing that we had that, knowing that we had to rush out of here, I was like, I need to get here early today to take care of everything that needs to get ready for church because, you know, stuff happens. We had a lot of people here yesterday. So I got everything set my alarm early. I ended up getting up way before my alarm went off anyway and got out, did all my stuff I needed to do, got the message God gave to me. I'm like, God, that's awesome. I'm ready. This is so good. And not, you know, I mean, like that he's speaking that message. He's so good. He is so good. Just speaking that message in my heart, right? Get everything together. Told Kim I'm heading out. I love you. I'll see you. I got to get there early to set up. Drove here, got off my bike, got all my stuff out and reached in my pocket for my keys. I didn't have my church keys with me. Now, you know, normally I leave my house around 6.30. I'm just telling you, not because of anything. I just get here to open the church, pray, get everything ready and whatever we're doing, right? But today I left early so that I could be here early to get everything done that needed to get done. No keys. So I'm like, uh, I already know that if I drive home, get my keys and drive back, I'm going to be gone 40 minutes. Just, you know, if you drive down Speedway anywhere, you're going to be 20, 25 minutes, half hour. I don't care if it's only two miles. You know how it is, right? So I'm like, man, if I do a 40-minute round trip, somebody's going to be here. It's a waste of my time. I'm just going to stay and wait because this is what God is giving us a message about is waiting. So I'm like, okay, just going to wait because Shaylin always gets here early. She's one of the first people to show up besides me to get the tech stuff going so I'm uh, I'm out there I'm kind of laughing to myself and like okay God you'll understand as we go into the message why it was so funny but I'm I'm listening to you know the words that I have just typed out and sent to the tech team and going through my message in my head and I'm like okay God you know I know this is anyway it's funny but you know when you're dealing with it it's not that humorous in the moment even though it's funny so I'm, uh, I thought, well, I can do something. I can walk around the outside and open up the gates for people. I can do that without my keys. So I do that, and then I come back, and it's been like three minutes. And I'm like <laughs> looking out in the parking lot for Shaylin. I text my wife and said, I forgot my keys. I think her response was, oh, no. That was it. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, God, you know, you gave me this message. I'm just going to sit down here and patiently wait for uh, Shaylin to show up or somebody else. So I was sitting there praying, went through my notes a little bit, and then in my mind, it's like, she should be here by now, you know? <laughs> lean, I was sitting at the pillar out there, so I lean over to look through the gate. Nope, nobody's there yet. And then I thought, well, you know what? Cindy and Derek come in early, and they open the cafe, and they come in that door. I'm over there. Sometimes Justin and Heather show up, and they come in, or James, he comes in this other door over here. I said, I should text them and let them know I'm out here, because... Any second now, they're going to come in. So I texted them and said, you know, hey, uh, if you show up on the other side, I'm out here and I own my keys. I don't know how many minutes later it was. It felt like an hour. It was probably five minutes. Uh, Heather texted me back, oh, no, sorry. We're about to leave our house. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what is wrong with you all? All right. <laughs> yeah. So wait. So I'm just sitting out there like laughing, you know, and I'm just not laughing, but laughing, going through this stuff. 
I got up, I'm walking around, I said, well, maybe I should walk around the property and look at everything. Like, no, no, I just relax, just stop it. Just sit down and wait. So I had to physically make myself sit down. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I wonder if there's something else I'm supposed to see because God's doing this for a reason. I should maybe walk on the other side of the glass chapel and make sure there's nothing over there. You know, it's like, seriously, just sit down and wait. So I'm sitting there having this conversation and like, okay, I'm going to just be patient and listen to God for a minute. Yeah, okay, well, Shailene, where are you? <laughs> Looked in my, I don't have her phone number. I told her, don't leave without giving me your phone number, all right? I don't have a phone number. I have no idea why. I got everybody else in the church but her. I think she blocked me or something. I don't know, but... I'm like, man, and so I'm waiting and wait. Finally, finally, I said she showed up. You know, I was excited to see her. I always am, but today, I love you, Shaylin. So I, I'm telling you all that, guys, because it's so funny how God works in our lives. And, and I know none of y'all are having this problem. So thank you for listening to my issues today as I bring God's message, because I have an issue, <laughs> and God is dealing with it, and he wants me to share it with you. And the way I want to do this is reading in God's Word in Genesis 18. And this is a story of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit coming and visiting Abraham. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, Hurry! Get three measures of your best flour, knead it in dough, into dough, and bake some bread. All right. Any of y'all ever made bread before? Can I see your hands if you ever baked bread yourself? I mean, you know, I've done it. I buy it at the store usually, but hurry and bake bread. They don't really go together, right? <laughs> it takes time to bake bread. But of course, hurry. We need to do something right now, Sarah. It needs to happen. Listen to this. Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to a servant who quickly prepared it. See how we're always in a hurry? See, I'm blaming Abraham. He's the same as me. Always in a hurry but we're doing it for God, so it's okay. See, that's how we're justifying it. God's here, so we've got to be in a hurry because God's always in a hurry, right? All right, so here you go. So quickly repaired it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and roasted meat, and he served it to the men as they ate. Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees, which is awesome. Abraham's a man of faith. He's a man of God, and he waited on them. He was just serving them. Listen to this. God was about to reveal two things to Abram that was so important. The first one is he was going to tell him, and we're going to read about this, that in one year from that day, Sarah was going to have a baby. Pretty astounding message that was coming. The second thing he was going to tell him is that God was going to bring judgment against Sodom and Gomorrah and was going to destroy that whole area. So this was like huge stuff that God was about to have a conversation with Abraham about. And so as he does this, God in his godness is having this conversation with Abraham. And in verse number nine, it says this, where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, 
How could a worn out woman like me enjoy such a pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? <laughs> and the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Did you notice what just took place right there before I read any further? The scripture said, She laughed silently to herself and said, All this was happening in her head. This is what's going on. Sarah's over here. She hears that thing like, yeah, right. <laughs> Me. All up here. Not happening. No way. Not only am I old, he's older. And not happening. So the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Yeah, to us it is. I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Just let that sink in. Think about it. How we quickly deny when we're found out. When God exposes our own doubts to ourselves, we quickly deny it. Church, what is it that you're silently laughing at what God said about you? Like our first response was, oh, I'm not, I'm not laughing. That's what Sarah did too, but yeah. Many of us are laughing at what God said, His promises. What I mean by that is exactly what Sarah meant by it. She was like, that's impossible. And that's how we laugh at God's word. We say, that's God's word, but I'm old. And he's older. <laughs> that can't happen. It could have. It might have. But it won't. See, none of us would say, oh no, God, you can't do that. We wouldn't say that because we know God can do the impossible. He even spoke that to her. You think anything's too hard for God? He can do anything. And we're all like, yeah, God can do anything. And then God speaks to us and we're like, yeah. I mean, I believe, but God, come on. This is me we're talking to. And inside of ourselves, we like laugh and like, that can't happen. That'll never happen. What are you dismissing because it does not work in your mind, in your plans, in your calendar, in your life, or in your current situation? What is it that you're laughing at that God has spoken? Man, church, let that sink in. What are we waiting for that we've either given up on, attempted to do ourselves, or just dismissed, saying it'll never happen? See, what happened with Abram and Sarah was 24 years before this moment, God gave a promise to Abram. He said, I'm going to give you a son. You and Sarah are going to have a son. You're, no, he said, you're going to have descendants. That's sorry. He, this is what he said. You are going to have a child. You will have descendants. Look at the stars in the heaven. Your descendants will be as many of them. Sand on the seashore, right? God says, this is what's going to happen. 
through you. You're going to bless all nations of the world. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Here's uh, Abraham standing there with no son, and he's 75 years old when God's speaking this promise into his life. We read the verses, I think, last week or two weeks ago. It's like Abraham believed God, right? Abraham believed God. So God gives him the promise. It's going to happen someday. Eleven years after God spoke that first promise, obviously Abraham and Sarah were having a conversation. And culturally, please hear this church, culturally it was okay for her to give him, her servant, to have a child for them. See, culturally that was okay. So let's, in modern terminology, you know, let's, We'll use her as a, you know, an incubator for our child. It'll be our kid, but she's having it. And legally and culturally, it was acceptable that when the servant, because she was property of Sarah, had a baby, the baby belonged to Sarah. And since Abraham was the father, they said, we got it. We got to figure it out. We're going to have this kid. It's going to be the kid of promise. We're going to fulfill God's plan. This is awesome. And Ishmael was born. And they just go on with life. And Sarah treats Ishmael like he's her son. And Abraham's proud of his boy. And life is going along. And they think they got it all worked out. They didn't. See, they were trying to do God's work for him using cultural ideas to fulfill God's promises. You know, you know many things the church is doing like that today, just adopting whatever culture says and putting into God's context and fitting God's word into the cultural acceptedness of our lives. It's not okay. It's not okay, church. God's calling us to be people of faith, people that trust Him and who follow His direction. So now here's Ishmael. He's 12 at this time, or 13 at this time. I'm sorry, I think he's 13. And God shows up and said, Sarah's going to have a boy. In this conversation with God, in these conversations that Abraham has with God, he says, oh, that Ishmael might be the one. Like, he's still trying to tell God, like, I get you, but isn't he good enough? God's like, Sarah's going to have a son, and he will be the son of promise. Check it out. Genesis chapter 21, verse 1. Listen to what God says here in his word. Listen to what God tells us. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened. Listen to that. At just the time God said it would. Come on, church. At just the time God said it would, it happened. God is good to His Word. We just grow impatient. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Isaac means laughter. If you don't know the name of that, the meaning of that name, it literally means laughter. <laughs> Check that out. <laughs> you did it. 
Nothing is impossible with God. So God's given me this message. I'm sitting at my dining room table typing up notes like, I can't wait to preach this to y'all. And God's up there with Gabriel like, you got to watch this. <laughs> Laughter. You ready to laugh? Watch this. He's about there. Hey, everybody, stop. Look. Gets off his bike. Oh, crap. Wham! Wait, boy! God! Come on! I got so much to do! Seriously, I just stood there. I just started laughing. I did. It's not my normal response when I got... I did. I'm like, oh my goodness, man. You know, seriously, I go through all my, all my checks before I leave my house on Sundays if no other day. Seriously. I've already had three coffees. It's not like I was sleeping or anything. I'm standing there like, you got to be kidding me. No, it's got to be in the bag, man. Open the bag in the bike. I didn't pick them up. I went right in that. I put all my stuff in this basket by the front door. I took my wallet out. Took my sunglasses. And my keys are laying right there. Right there. And I walked away and left them. And God was like, this is awesome. He's laughing. This is an Isaac moment. <laughs> and I, so you know how good I am at this. You know, I'm like, okay, God, you're making me, well, I get it. You know I have all that stuff to do in there and all of it's waiting. So I'm going to just be patient. I'm not going to get on my bike and drive home in a hurry and get my keys. I'm not going to call my wife who's not ready for church and say, meet me. I'm not going to call my brother who's right there with a vehicle who could come and bring it to me. I'm going to wait for everybody else that's going to get here early today because I'm going to just relax. So relaxed. Yeah. 57 minutes I waited. I know. 57 minutes. Because I looked. <laughs> I kept time. Not because I could say to Shaylin, hello. No. It was because I was patiently waiting. I know because I text my wife. I forgot my keys and she said, oh no. She didn't say, I'll bring them to you. She said, oh no. That's all. <laughs> Same response I got from uh, Heather. I don't know if they text each other or what. Oh, no. <laughs> We're leaving our house. Uh, did you say soon? I don't know what she said. I just knew it was way too late. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, God, you know, all right. So we're being patient, right? The Lord kept his word and did exactly what he promised at just the time God said he would. So, you know, like, of course, God, you're teaching me something. So I'm listening. So I decided I'm going to sit on that cement out there by that pillar where I could see the parking lot. And <laughs> that way I could know when Shaylin was pulling in finally. And wait, and I'm saying, like, God, I'm going to listen to you. That's when some of that stuff was happening that I told you about earlier. Like, maybe I'm supposed to go look behind the glass chapel. Maybe I'm supposed to walk around by the dumpster. Maybe I'm supposed to walk over. You know, no, just wait. 
Well, I'm not really good at that. You know, God, you know, I don't. That's why we're talking about this today, because I'm not great at waiting, but I am waiting. I want you to know I'm waiting. I'm sitting right here. So all these conversations are happening in my mind, plus other ones, you know. And yes, one of my issues is I don't like to wait. And so when I look at this and I think the first time God promised he was going to do something was 25 years before Isaac was born, right? So God said, you know, I'm going to do this. That's why Abraham and Sarah got involved and tried to do it for him because it was taking so long. And then when God says it's time, he's like, that's happening now. And it's like all the, isn't it crazy how when God decides to do it, it finally, and it catches us off guard, even though we've been waiting forever, (laughs) then I'm caught off guard by it. It's the craziest thing. It's like, what? Now? (laughs) Yeah, now. Okay. All right. So, Not until the 24th year did God say when it would happen. Don't forget that. God said it would happen. 24 years later, he comes and says, hey, Abraham, it's going to happen next year. So he didn't give the when for 24 years. And I'm thinking, man, God, how often we're looking for God to do something right now claiming His promises, demanding in faith, saying, God, now, I believe this is what You said, therefore, God, I'm holding You to Your Word and I'm expecting You to move right now. (laughs) Some crazy stuff, man. I'm crazy, I know that. I look at this and I'm like, God, You are so incredibly patient. It's just amazing. I I really do laugh with God at me because I know He's laughing at me in a good way. You know, He's not like making fun of me. He's just like... (laughs) Check it out, man. I'm, <laughs> I got this going on, and I know he was laughing today. I already know he was. It's okay. He knew what he was doing all along. He set me up. Seriously. You know, I've just, like yesterday, my wife already knows this. I don't know why I tell her stuff. She already knows things about me, but I tell her anyway because it's a way for me to express myself in my wonderful waiting patience. So, like, we had that service at 1 o'clock, Right? For Moses, been dealing with stuff throughout the week. I'm like, you know, there's anyway, you know how life goes. It's just like that stuff. But it's at one in the afternoon. And so, you know, I, I don't know, I think I was up at four or something just because I wake up early. I don't know why it just happens, you know. And so, like, I can't really commit to doing anything other than getting ready for the service that's at one o'clock because, like, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't go get into something when you have that waiting. So, like, it's 10, 10.30, and I'm kind of pacing, and, and she knows we have to leave early, and so I'm thinking, like, you know, you should probably just come on your own later so I can just leave, so I can do something to prepare, you know? And so I come in and talk to her, and I'm like, Kim, you know, I hate waiting for stuff. I hate that. It's later in the day, so now I look at it like, well, my whole day is, like, done for because of waiting for that so I'd rather do everything at like 7 in the morning get it happening right so I don't want to wait so I didn't even know what I was preaching today I had no clue somebody asked me I don't even know what we're doing yet God knew all along and he's like Dave just keep talking 
<laughs> Just keep confessing, you know. Keep telling your wife. Tell her how impatient you are. Tell her how you don't like waiting. Talk about all that stuff because I got something for you. Not only am I going to give you a message about this, but you're going to be sitting out there for 57 minutes <laughs> waiting for someone to let you in the door so you can hurry to get ready for me. Isn't that awesome? God is so good, man. He is. Seriously, he's so good. It's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You're amazing. <laughs> Church, I want you to know God will always do what he says, but he'll do it when he wants to and when he's ready. And that's the thing. See, what we're always, I, I'm going to include you in this. You don't have to. You can say it's all me, but okay, Dave is always trying to put God on my calendar for the execution of the time of his promises. I'm always trying to get him to hurry. I am literally trying to get him hurry up all the time. You'd think we learn, you know, you'd think I'd learn. And I think I have. <laughs> and so I talk to him about it. I include him in the thought process, the prayers, and the plans. And so because I include him in all that, I think he's going to do it. Because I said so. Because it's now his plan, because I've included him. So he ought to be right with me in this whole thing, right? You know what I mean? It's like, I, I got it all figured out for you. Let's do it. <laughs> all I need now is for you to execute. Go. Like... You know, have you ever done that with God? Like, I'm claiming your promise. Make it happen now. And then when it doesn't happen, we're like, okay, wait a minute. Let me reassess this. It wasn't working there. Now, you know what? Maybe it's these things only happen by prayer. Oh, I need to fast. That's what it is. So I'm going to give you three days, God, and I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray about this. And so now as I'm fasting and praying and I'm believing God, so now I've fasted, so now I've earned it. Now. Come on, man. What else is there? God, I mean, I'm talking to you. I'm praying. I'm seeking you. I'm worshiping you. I'm playing worship music. I'm fasting. I'm doing all my part. Hello. <laughs> He's like, hey, I got a plan. <laughs> all right. So we're always trying to put him on our calendar, aren't we? Let's see what it says. Acts 1 read this a bunch of times you guys have read this but check out what it says i never really caught this until today when god wanted me to catch it isn't that cool how he does that for us so jesus verse three during the 40 days that he had suffered and died after he had suffered and died he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive that's awesome right there and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Isn't that cool? So Jesus wasn't just saying, hey, I'm real, I'm alive, I'm tangible, but I want you to understand something. I want you to learn and know about the kingdom of God. That's awesome. Listen to the next words here. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before. John baptized you with water in just a few days. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? 
Some kind of contrast just happened. Jesus taught them about the kingdom of God and they wanted to know when our kingdom would be restored. You know how often we do that to God? The apostles were like, yeah, 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 I gotta get to heaven, I get to all the, but what about right now? Is this the moment you're gonna throw the Romans out? I heard you talking about the kingdom of God, so obviously, Something's going to happen here and now too because that's got to fit in your plan. So let's put it in modern day terminology. So God, when are you going to throw the Democrats out? Yeah. Seriously, right? I mean, a lot of Christian people are doing that. Like, God, when are you going to throw them Democrats out so that our kingdom can be restored? And all you Democrats, I already know that you're like, so let me just reverse that and say in the last administration, you were like, God, when are you going to throw those Republicans out so our kingdom can be restored? Because I want everybody to get it. See, we're all about our kingdom and our moment and our plans and our ideas. And God's saying, I'm trying to teach you something. I want to show you something about my kingdom. And we're so consumed with us that we miss it. And we're not waiting on God or His kingdom or His plan. We're like, God, fix it now. Jesus says, wait. And they say, is it time? Did you get it? Jesus said, wait. And they're like, is it time? You know how many times I've done that to God? Wait. Okay, I am. It's been three minutes. That has been waiting. Now it's four now it's five and you know as I wait I'm like we use the Christian dismissal of it's not God's will it's just not his will so we're just going to move on and I think sometimes I'm like God you know what have I bypassed that you planned to do because I didn't wait for you see Jesus said the promise was the Holy Spirit Now, they didn't know the Holy Spirit. They knew of Him. They knew about Him. They'd seen Him work because Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit at His baptism. They knew He was the promise that they were waiting for, but they still couldn't even get it. See, because they even looked through the promise of the Holy Spirit to still look to their interpretation of God's promises. (laughs) They had their own agenda, church. All right. See, waiting is actually trusting. It's really what it is. When we don't wait, we're no longer trusting God. And we are becoming God to the situation. Do you hear that? That's what's happening. See, we're no longer waiting on God. We're taking control, which we're being God of the situation, and I will make the decision, the plan, and execute it. So listen to this in James. I love James. Very practical. Here you go. Ready? Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Just relax. This is God's word talking to us, right? Be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Okay, I'm patient about that. But God, you know, before that happens, there's a lot you need to get done. So I can put this verse in the context and be really comfortable with my impatience. 
But he doesn't leave us there, right? Listen to this. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains and the fall and the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You know, as I was reading that, I was thinking everything God does takes time. Isn't that amazing? Just think about it. Everything God does takes time. He's never in a hurry. He has built this incredible system of time. Like, long times. Going to dig the ground. We're going to plant a seed. The seed's got to grow. It's got to get everything it needs to be able to produce something before you can ever get a harvest. So he's teaching us something with a practical application like, you know, just wait. You too must be patient. That's the next words. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Don't grumble about each other, church. Brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. He's right there. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So here we are told in God's word, it's like Jesus is coming and it's near. This was written 2,000 years ago, remember? So every church generation thinks it's now. We all think it's now because, see, we're always in a hurry and nobody wants to wait. And I mean, we look at this verse and it says, it's near, he's at the door. That's right, it says he's near and it's at the door. He didn't say he's here. So wait. But don't just wait. Wait patiently. So, you know, even though God and I were having a good chuckle out there in the lobby area outside, I will tell you that not all of my waiting was patiently. It wasn't. But I mean, like, the whole while that I'm waiting... I kept glancing, checking my phone, knowing someone was going to come. And it should be any minute. But it wasn't. It was 57 of them. (laughs) And I knew they were near, but they weren't here. And that did me no good because I wanted them here now. So I look at this and God's like, hey, he's near. He's out the door. He's right there. Be patient. The Lord is near. For examples of this, look at the prophets. Church, they preached for thousands of years, generation after generation. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. See, when I look at that scripture and it says, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return, I believe that applies not only to the return of Christ, but the execution of His plan and God's plan for my life and yours. For his plan for the church and what is going on and what he's doing. So we've all heard these love verses, right? From 1 Corinthians 13. We read them at weddings. We read them at Valentine's Day. We see them in cards. We've like thrown those things out there a lot of times and we just kind of, I don't mean this wrong, but you know what I mean. Love is, love is, love is, love is. And it's 1 Corinthians 13. But you know, there's this one little statement in there, um, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, and this is what it says. Love is patient. I love you, Lord, I do. <laughs> hmm. 
So you know when, when I'm dealing with people that are um, not easy to deal with, the Lord, you know, reminds us love is patient. So we're working at trying to be patient with people, which we ought to. And that's love in action, right? The Word of God says God is love. So God is patient. And you and I have experienced God's patience with us, haven't we? And then we, we repent and we're saying, I'm sorry I wasn't patient with those people. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. Forgive me. And I'm trying to be patient with people. But how many of us are patient with God himself? See, love is patient. So I'm like, I love you, God. So can you do this now? You know, when we grow impatient with God, I mean, we'd never say that. But see, inside of ourselves, we're laughing because we're like... <laughs> That's never going to happen. And we're not patient with him. Even though we know he's been patient with me. Do you love him? Do you love God? Of course we say yes, right? Are you being patient with God? (laughs) About your situations. About your life. About what's going on around you. Are we being patient? Well, love is patient. So if we're not being patient with God, but we say we love him, do we really love him? That's the challenge. That's convicting. It's like, whoa, yeah, okay. I really, uh, I really am waiting, God. I really am. Oh, thank God there's Shaylin. <laughs> Finally, she showed up. And then I was like, you do have your church key, right? Please say yes. <laughs> yeah. Finally, there she was. When God wanted her there, she showed up. Huh. Really? You woke me up early. Why don't you wake her up early? (laughs) You knew what had to get done in here. She didn't have to know what needed to get done in here. She could have just showed up early. Right? I mean, do you hear me? You know how we do this with God? Like, we're just like trying to get Him to... Just please move a little faster. So we're, we demand God to act on His promises, claiming his, his, his promises for our issue in the moment. And God's doing something, but it's not the something we want Him to do. Therefore, we grow impatient or we dismiss it. Or we get angry at Him because my situation isn't changing right now. See, What's, what's happening, church, is a lot of times we love conditionally. Not unconditionally. We love conditionally. We love people that love us. We love people that do what we want. We don't love people that don't act the way we want them to act. Even though the Lord tells us to love the unlovable, right? Like He does us. And so what happens is I don't feel that. So what we've messed up in is we still think love is a feeling, an emotion. It's a response. And actually love is God. God is love. So he's not an emotion or a feeling or a response. An act, it's not a feeling. It is love is. And it's unconditional. For God so loved the world that he gave. So I'm like, man, God, I am like terrible at this you've asked me to love unconditionally you've asked me to be patient you're asking me to wait 
And I'm, I'm limping along in this journey of this stuff saying, God, you know, I'm sorry again. <laughs> I have expectations of people. I have expectations for God. And when they're not met in my time the way I want them, sometimes I grow impatient with them and I don't want to be around them. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Just think if God was like that. <laughs> like, eh, done with you. Just go on your way today. I'm not going to be around you. You annoy me and make me sick. I'm just going to go over here. I'm going to avoid Dave today. This is that's what this day is. Avoid Dave Day. What? No, God loves me. God is patient with me, and He loves me. And it's like, oh, man, how humbling is that? Now. We need to let God bring our expectations to Him and we need to surrender them to His plan. So He doesn't tell us don't have a plan, don't have any expectations, but we submit those to Him in a true surrender, not a demand, not an expectation of if this is your will, it's going to happen by Friday. It's a a surrender and saying, God, I trust you and you're going to lead me through this thing, whatever it takes. So remember those words that God spoke to Abraham and Sarah? Nah, you did laugh. See, God knows. God knows. He knows we can't hide anything from Him. He knows what we've tried to force Him into. He knows what promises we're trying to hold His arm behind His back and make Him act on. He knows everything about us as we're trying to claim these things, proclaim these things, and get Him to move because we want Him to move. He knows. Nothing's hidden from Him. He knows our thoughts, our attitudes. He knows our expectations. He knows our demands. He knows, church. God also knows His promises. It's kind of funny because we kind of try and remind him of his promises like it's, like I said, it's kind of like the arm behind the back. This is what you said, God. Therefore, mm, I've got you right where I want you. Act. That doesn't work, does it? But yet we still do that. Now we need to hold on to his promises. We need to proclaim them. This is a delicate walk that we're talking about here. There's a difference between trusting God in his promises and demanding God in his promises, right? There's a big difference. See, God is actually executing his plan to perfection. Last week we celebrated Easter, Passover, the sacrifice, the resurrection, everything in God's perfect timing and perfect plan, right? We all know that. We just read in God's Word in Genesis way back, way before the cross, how God said, this is when it's going to happen, and it happened exactly when God said it would happen, right? So we have all that history. We have way more than that. We hear all that. We see it. We know it, right? Here it is. God is working His plan to perfection. But not only His overall plan for the world, He's working His plan to perfection in us, but we keep screwing it up because we don't wait on Him. We're trying to fix his plan because it needs to be executed now, not when he thinks so. God does have a plan for your life. He does. And it's perfect. But we have to wait on him to execute it. And it's more than just this moment. What are you waiting for him on? 
Church, I want you to stand with me. We're done. What is it you're laughing at him about? Just under your breath, not publicly. We're not like out there like, ha ha, yeah, right. No, we're like, <laughs> that'll never happen. What is it that's going on in your life that you are acting like that about? What do you see as completely impossible, but God said, I'm doing this. Church, listen, the reality is, is that we don't see Tucson changing. We don't see our nation coming before God and, and repenting. Let's be honest, we don't. If, if I were to stand here and say, I believe that Tucson is going to have revival. We'd be like, oh yeah, amen, yeah, that. <laughs> That'll never happen. Right? Let's be realistic, man. Like, we laugh at things because we're like, that'll never happen. But do you know in history that has happened? That there's been global moves of God where God awakened the world to who He was. But see, like, we just look at that like, that was then, that was that, but this is now. And we see our own reality as the only reality and we see the moment. And so God, when are you going to move in my kingdom? We forget about his kingdom. Church, can we just today, Father, as we come before you, I confess I've repented today of my lack of waiting and patience and all those things I do, Lord. And God, I want to focus on your kingdom, not Dave's, not ours, not the American kingdom, not the world king, God's kingdom your plan. Lord, whatever we need to wait for, help us to be patient as we wait. We look to you, the author and the perfecter of our faith, your amazing God. If you'd like to come to the altar today, you need to maybe repent of your lack of patience. I don't know. You're trying to make God work in your plan. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, you need to come and repent and ask Him. Uh, this one thing you can do in a hurry, that's repent. <laughs> you need to hurry and repent. You do. And then when you're done, you need to just wait. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We're so grateful that you're patient with us, Lord. Thank you for being patient. You're so amazing. Thank you. God, forgive us for when we are impatient. Thanks for setting us up to laugh. Thanks, seriously, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for the moments that you show us. Us. <laughs> Thanks. Lord, touch each and every one today. Those that are online, those that are here in the house, those that are here at the altar. Lord, teach us. Show us. We wait on you today. We love you, Lord. Go with us as we leave this place to love the unlovable, to be patient as we wait on you and just trust you for what your plan is for our lives and for your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, amen. God bless you. Those of you that are praying, just take your time. You're good. God bless you. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Jesus.